Welcome to Photoactive, a podcast about photography and technology. I'm Kirk McElhern. And I'm Jeff Carlson. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in this episode at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. This week, we're very happy to welcome Valérie Jardin, who is a photographer, author, educator, and many other things. Valérie, thank you for joining us. You're French, but you're in Minneapolis. Is that correct? Correct. Bonjour. Yes, uh, I'm a French citizen, U.S. resident, and uh, I'm in Minneapolis, a city that everybody can probably put on a map now, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, that's a good point. Years ago, people wouldn't have known where Minneapolis was. So, Valerie, we, we got you here um, mainly because you've got a new book out, and it's called Street Photography Assignment, 75 Reasons to Hit the Streets and Learn. Jeff and I are not street photographers. It's not something we know a lot. So... Uh, we'd like to start out by just discussing the idea of street photography. Now, I I love great street photography, people like Gary Winogrand and Joel Meyerowitz and um, a lot of the French people. And I, uh, one of the most beautiful books I got recently, a couple of years ago, was by Mark Steinmetz of photos he took in Paris. But there's so much boring street photography out there. <laughs> if you look on Instagram and on Facebook and, you know, I'm in photo groups and it's it's become so cliched. And also, so many people are doing it. Why? What happened with street photography? Is it digital photography and the fact that more people live in cities that mean we have so much street photography these days? Yeah, it's it's become popular over the past few years. And I think also because people... Uh, found out what it's actually called. A lot of us started street photography without even knowing it. I mean, that was certainly the case for me. I was just photographing life on the street. I didn't even know it was called street photography. And I actually don't like street photography because I recently have only been shooting street photography on the beach. So, uh, where there is no street. So it's, it's, uh, kind of a broad sense. And, and, and street photography is, it's, in itself, you know, people have a misconception of what street photography is. People think in your face, you know, really close to people, even using a flash, which is one way to do it. Uh, if you're really comfortable with that approach, uh, which I would not recommend uh, to everybody, but there's so many ways to do it. And there are some good ways and there's some really boring, boring pictures out there. Absolutely. Uh, you know, there has to be, um, there has to be something, there has to be a story. It's not just taking a picture of a boring stranger walking down the street. That's exactly what I said to Jeff beforehand, <laughs> that what makes yes. a good street photograph, and I'm thinking of some of Joe Myrowitz's great pictures. Um, the, the one is, is it one with two guys walking with tubas or something down the street? And you're mm -hmm. like, why are two people with tubas? Or Elliot Erwitz, great pictures of people with their dogs. Mm -hmm. There's something happening. It's not static. You can feel the dynamic movement in it. When I was shooting film photography in the early 80s in New York, I never heard the term street photography back no. then. When did it become... Is it Fujifilm who made this popular? Because <laughs> I, we all shoot Fujifilm um, um, cameras, and they seem to be one of the more popular brands for this kind of photography. No, I think uh, I don't even know when the the term really started picking up, but it really is documentary photography, and 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 then too there is street photography that is not even candid that people actually ask people to do things which doesn't qualify that defeats the whole purpose. I mean, this is the hardest thing you're going to shoot 
you know, as a photographer, no matter what, because you don't control, you only control your gear and your vision. You don't control what's going to happen. So, and you have that fraction of a second to, to immortalize something that's never happened before and will never happen again. Even yourself cannot replicate it. So there is so much that comes into that fraction of a second. So much, uh, so so many skills that you acquire after doing this for quite a while and um you know and and composition and and uh, you have to uh, light and and choosing the right subject and the the decisive moment the right gesture and so forth all these decisions happen in a fraction of a second you don't think of them but they all come from from being out there and and learning to see so many people just don't know how to see they look but they don't know how to see so um so good street photography does stand out uh from the rest but you're right there is a, a lot of uh of boring stuff out there so that's my job to help people <laughs> do the right thing and that's what i've been teaching for 10 years one thing that's changed in digital is in the past go back into the 40s and the 50s and the great photographers and i do think of them as french because there were more french that's photographers who developed mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um they were shooting film and they had 24 or 36 pictures on a roll of film and they could only usually get one shot. Whereas now you can press and hold the shutter in burst mode and you can get eight or 10 or 12 shots a second to try and capture a specific moment of something that's happening. In many ways, it seems lazy to try that. There is definitely less merit. And and we, you know, there are times where burst mode you know, is necessary. And if you're in the in the location of a lifetime and the light is amazing and you have the most wonderful backdrop and you probably never come back, of course, go into burst mode. You know, why chance uh, missing the shot? Uh, but you're the satisfaction as uh, an artist is not going to be the same. And, and most photographers will say, well, who cares? You know, nobody knows. It's like, yeah, but who cares about what people know and what people think? You, you only shoot photogra- street photography for yourself. You don't shoot it for a client. And uh, to me, the shots, my good shots that were shot in one frame have, are much more valuable to me than the great shots that have, you know, turned out from a, a, a burst of six frames. Because there is merit in capturing that moment at that one time in one frame that you don't have if you shoot burst, period. It's the satisfaction of the thrill of the, t- the hunt, yep. of getting there at the right time and catching something, isn't it? Absolutely. And you're right. You know, nobody knows and nobody cares. Just like nobody cares what the metadata is on your picture, if it's a good picture. <laughs> When you exhibit your work in a gallery, you don't have the metadata under every picture. Because me that yeah, people think exactly. it's so important. <laughs> yeah, I know it, it is funny because I I have to put the metadata on my um, my educational book because yeah. if I if I don't, people like, well, where's the metadata? Well, you'll never be in the same situation at the same time under the same circumstances. So technically, the metadata is not very useful, but I, it, it is a good learning tool. But yeah, knowing that it's uh, you capture that moment in one frame it, it the satisfaction for the for the artist is, is so much bigger and yeah this is really something you do for yourself so if you're shooting street photography for the right reasons you get what i'm saying i love that you brought that up because i think a lot of people they do this because it looks really easy <laughs> i have a camera yeah. there are people i've seen street photography mm-hmm. of crowds whatever and 
you know, I think there's probably a decent chance that you're going to go out, you're going to shoot some stuff and get something that's good or fine. Yeah. In that way, I like that it's very accessible. But there have been a few times when I've gone out and just tried to very willfully shoot street photography. And it's been very difficult because because I don't have a lot of experience doing this, I don't exactly know what to look for. Or I'll find, Mm -hmm. you know, some beautiful mural and just kind of wait and see what happens. And... (laughs) And that to me is just the most boring thing. Oh, right. You've got a, this wonderful wall and you're just waiting for someone to walk by as if that person walking by gives it validity. Right. Well, it has to be a, the right person for the mural. You have to be very discerning. And that's what's lacking in in the community in general is that uh, is being discerning enough and finding the person that actually is going to complement that mural or that light or that backdrop. Uh, not the first person that walks by is going to work. Some Most of the time, no one is going to walk by in the next hour that's going to be worth a shot. So it's really knowing when to press the shutter click and not pressing in on just the first Joe that comes yeah. back with the, you know... Um, uh, especially the, there has to be contrast between the subject and the mural. You know, you can't just have somebody who's going to blend in there and you can't even really see them. There has to be the correct stepping, the dynamic of the gesture. There's so many things that come into or they're play. they're carrying that's something strange that, that matches it, what's in the exactly. mural or yeah. something. Yeah. Well, they, they have to fit there. If you're traveling and you, you see this amazing um, backdrop and then you photograph somebody walking through and it's a tourist, what's the point? If you're in Rome, why photograph a tourist? No, you want somebody that fits that space. Mm-hmm. So there's so many elements that will make or break the picture. Well, one thing about good street photography is it can be timeless. And mm-hmm. I was looking through your portfolio and you have a, a, a page with photos of readers. And mm-hmm. looking at a lot of those photos, they could have been shot 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. An awful lot of them are in Paris. And I can see the, the chairs from the Jardin du Luxembourg and I can see the cafes. And a lot of them look like... You know, they're in black and white and there's nothing that says it's now or then. And I find that 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 questioning, that that uncertainty about the photographs makes them actually more interesting. Yeah. And I, I make a point of not photographing people like on their cell phone and things like that. That's just so so boring um and uh so try finding that timeless and that's the whole point of that series it's about paper book readers not e-readers and uh so yeah i the and it's actually one of the assignments you know the timeless photograph in the book uh to capture um a subject that's dressed in a way i'm not going to photograph somebody that has gap on their shirt never never because not only that that's going to distract from the subject itself. And uh, and that ruins the shot. So I'm very, very particular as to what, what a good subject is. But it's maybe not be what your good subject is going to be. We all have that, that idea, ideal in our mind of what we look for. Uh, so and that's really what defines our style of photograph as well. And also, I'm not in your face. I don't like crowds. So there's so many ways to do street photography and to do it well and respectfully, too. And now you bring up something that I really wanted to talk about, because there's a lot of disrespect. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't remember the name of the Japanese photographer last year, Fujifilm, released a promotional Mm -hmm. video with this guy who would just go up and harass people, kind of like Bruce Gilden did. Um, And there was a huge outcry. 
So with street photography, you've got a couple of options. If people know the the camera, the X100 series, it's got a a 35 millimeter equivalent lens. So you kind of need to be close to people if you want to get action. Or you can be more distant with a telephoto and not immerse yourself in in the play on the stage. And... (laughs) Okay, okay, you're making faces, but I'm going to get to my point. The problem is that if people are too in your face, I I mean, a lot of women find this harassing, Um, guys, big guys with cameras going up to them. Um, it's re- I think it's a really hard balance to strike. In some countries, it's not even entirely legal, is it? Oh, it, well, you have to be careful anywhere. You know, that's the thing. Whether it's quote unquote legal, uh, and, and it's not really a matter of being legal or not legal. You know, the, the privacy laws are very gray. Uh, it's about respect. Doesn't matter where you are. You should use the same ethics. And it's about respecting your subject. I mean, somebody comes really close to me with a flash, I'll probably punch them. Why would I do that somewhere else if I don't want it it being done to me? And and if everybody starts doing that, that's the death of of the art, because it's going to be impossible to do it. And so no, you can you can capture beautiful moments discreetly. And I shoot at 23 millimeter, that camera that you talked about equivalent of 30 millimeters. So I'm always very close to people. I think it's very sneaky to do it from a long lens. And that is not something street photographers do. So uh, that, that looks more like a paparazzi type exactly. thing. Exactly. You've got a uh, to big, me, long telephoto yeah. lens. Yeah. yeah. That to me, that's the ultimate sneaky. Uh, I'm really close to people. I'm not afraid of being seen. Usually, I mean, I've learned and I've, and that's one thing that I teach on workshops, how to be invisible while being that close. But um Definitely, if people ask me what I'm doing, I have no problem telling them what I'm doing. I mean, I'm capturing life on the streets of Paris, Rome, New York, wherever I am. And I'm capturing beauty of everyday life. I'm never capture, I'm never photographing people in embarrassing or vulnerable situation or situation, yeah, of ridicule because there is humor and there is humor. Uh, there is easy uh, well, an- humor. Another thing that's really common, and I see this on Facebook groups, is photos of homeless oh, people. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, that you know, it's one thing to document them, but it's mm-hmm. another thing to exploit them like that. Absolutely, yeah. and I've worked with the homeless community with Joshua Coombs from uh, from the UK. Who yeah, uh, a, this, we'll put a link in, in the show notes. Yeah. You've got a, a, a thing s- about your project there. So I've I've worked with them on the streets of Paris, New York, Minneapolis, and uh, but we tell the whole story. We I would I don't even start photographing until you know we've we we shake hands with people, we start talking to them, we sit down with them, then I start documenting you know the work that Josh does with the homeless community. Uh, and I've done that with other homeless people, you know, a, 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 to raise awareness. But that's very different than just grabbing a shot sure. of a homeless person yeah. lying on a bench. Uh, that is disrespectful unless you already you had an interaction, because I, I've learned from working with homeless people on the streets around the world that the one thing that is consistent of uh, that they tell us is that they feel invisible. So right. the first thing is to really talk to them you know it's it's not about giving them money it's about that interaction so so grabbing a shot of someone lying on a bench just because it's an easy shot that's that's tough mm-hmm. yeah so we're not a gear podcast but we do talk about gear a little bit and so what's interesting is you're using a, a, a fuji x100 series camera which is probably one of the most compact cameras there is 
um, compare that to someone with, you know, a big Fuji just released, what is it, a 50 millimeter F1 lens, which is about the size of a watermelon. <laughs> um, and, and it does look less imposing if you're out there with a small camera. It almost looks like an old fashioned Instamatic camera rather than someone with a big long zoom lens. And I guess that in and of itself is a sign that you're not aggressive. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's a good point. I mean, I used to shoot with a DSLR. Um, I switched to the X1. 100s so about seven years ago before that i was shooting with a 5d mark ii and a 40 millimeter pancake lens um and i was getting the same types of shot but now we have better gear that's more discreet and completely silent so uh yeah it would be really dumb to start shooting street photography and invest in dslrs for example i mean now we you know it's it's so much better and and they're much more user-friendly for sure to have those smaller cameras and less intimidating absolutely Mm -hmm. and really it's not about hiding behind a long lens that's really the creepiest thing you can do as a street photographer Yeah. yeah can you talk a little bit more about interacting with people because i think that's one of those areas where you know that you should ask people permission. <laughs> You're making a face like, mm, no, 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 no. My point is, I know that part of good street photography is sometimes approaching someone and engaging with mm-hmm. them, not so much in the sense of trying to to capture a fleeting moment, but you see somebody who looks interesting, somebody like in your book, you mentioned buskers or people with tattoos, uh, you yeah. know, who, who seem to be more willing to be seen. And so mm-hmm. th- there's that moment of, okay, I would like to take a picture of this person because they look amazing, but it seems like there's a wide gulf between I'm just going to take a picture and I want to interact with them. Tell us more about that interactivity. Yeah, I'm hesitant about going up to people in the street. Um, So how do you get past that? That's actually the easiest part. You know, for a lot of people um, doing – those are called street portraits. So that's actually when Mm -hmm. you have an interaction. Even if it's just uh, they see that you – photographing them you know the, the, you may not talk to them but they know you're photographing them so you that's make a eye street contact. portrait you make eye contact there is definitely a, a con- i don't do a lot of that because i find that a little too easy because i'm an extrovert so i talk with people all the time okay. so i usually even forget to take a picture because i get into a conversation <laughs> um, my most of my work is is completely uh, there is absolutely no interaction people don't know i photograph them it's 100 percent candid the few street portraits that i do yes I will have a conversation and I will just tell the person, hey, you look amazing. The light is just fantastic on, on that soup, that great hat that you have. Or those tattoos are so cool. I would really like to get a portrait of you. Um, a lot of people, and that's what I, you know, the, the first assignments in the book, which, you know, goes, the book, if if somebody who is a beginner at this, uh, will start at assignment one and go down. If, they, if they've been doing this for a long time, they can just pick any assignment and just go with it. But, uh, so you, you start with people that are easy targets, you know, people walking their dogs, people with a lot of tattoos, people with wild purple hair, because obviously they look like that because they want to be seen. So it's it's very flattering for them to want to photograph them. Nobody's going to, no, no one with a lot of tattoos will say, oh, no, 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 I don't want you to take a picture of me. No one. Mm-hmm. They love it. They love the attention. always want to be photographed as so well. So street performers is your first stranger. It's the yeah. easy, it's the, the most obvious and easy target. Uh, give them money first, then take your time. That's good practice. And then you move on to a complete stranger. And then, then you move on to a stranger that 
you have to conversation and have a backstory, you know, or ask them a question and uh, and write the story about them. So there's several steps. But for a lot of people, actually, once they interact with a stranger and they feel they feel more at ease, they can breathe easier because then they're they have their permission. So it's easier once you have the permission when you get really close to someone. And sometimes I'll be right over someone's shoulder, photographing the side of their face as if I'm looking through their eyes. They don't know I'm here. They never will know that I'm here. I grab the shot, but it's completely candid. I would never ask permission. Uh, so I do not I do not ask permission ever. Okay. That would ruin the moment. It's it's like the observer's paradox. You say, ask someone permission to take a picture, they're going to pose, and they don't know how to pose for a photo. So they're going to do that kind of weird pose that we all did when we were teenagers at birthday parties. And there is no picture because what caught your eye was a moment in time that is completely candid. So if you interact with that person, the moment is gone. There is no more picture. So that's why it is so important to be invisible. And the fact, the, the reason why you have to be invisible and very discreet and get close to people without them knowing there is because that's the only way you will capture what caught your eye in the first place. The moment they see you, doesn't even matter if there is an attraction. The moment they see you, the moment is gone. So why even take the picture at that point? There's nothing left. So um, that's why it is so difficult because you have to be close and yet so invisible that the moment is intact either that or it's gone. And also, I think part of the apprehension that some people have is either the person sees you or if you are doing a street portrait and you approach somebody, they may say no or they might not want to be photographed. And so Mm -hmm. I think there's that anxiety. What if this escalates? What if something bad happens? What if, what if, what if, what if? if? And Mm. I can't really say this from my experience, but just from from what uh, I've, I've read, it seems like that so rarely happens as long as you are professional and respectful. I'm not so sure that rarely happens. I've heard a lot of stories about people being, I I think a lot of times if something like that does happen, it's the the photographer is too aggressive. Yeah, absolutely. It totally reflects on the photographer because no matter what, you know, in in most countries, as long as people are in, in public space, they have no copyright on their face. You can photograph them all day long. Mm -hmm. But even if you are in your legal rights as a photographer, people still have the right to be upset, to be photographed. And so you never argue. You never argue with a subject who is objecting to be photographed. Right. You just apologize, thank them, and move on. But a lot of people will say, well, I'm in my rights. Well, then, no, that is the wrong approach. But unfortunately, a lot of people do that. A lot of photographers become really aggressive. Mm-hmm. And that's actually giving us a really bad rep. Yeah. And it's making street photography more difficult for everyone. Absolutely. Can we just estimate what percentage of people who do street photography are men versus women because if you are taking a picture and you go up to someone and you charm them it's a bit different than me a six foot tall man taking a picture of someone particularly if the subject is a woman you know i from teaching hundreds and hundreds of students from all over the world and all over the world on workshops i can tell you that it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman it's really about first of all how good you feel about doing what you do if you're really really nervous 
you're going to send the wrong vibes. Yeah. If you feel good about what you're doing, you're doing actually what you're doing is important because as a street photographer, as a documentary photographer, what I do is really important. And it's documenting today in a beautiful way, not a selfie, because that's all we're going to have, you know, if yeah. we don't do this right. Look at the wealth of information we get from even the, the photographs of Vivian Myers that were almost destroyed. Look at the wealth of information we, we're collecting, uh, historical information we're collecting from that. So what we do is important if we do it right. If you feel good about what you're doing, you know you're doing something important uh, that has value, not only aesthetically, but also historical value, potentially. I mean, in 50 years, people may learn something from looking at some of my pictures, and I would love that. So then you, you're you confident. It's really about being confident and not being afraid to explain what you're doing if the subject notices you. Usually they notice you after you got the shot. So it's, it's, okay. it's okay. As long as I capture that candid moment, I'm fine if people want to talk to me. I'm completely open. I would never try to hide what I'm doing because I really believe in what I'm doing. I've never had any trouble. I've never had anyone getting angry or anything. And I've seen that from male photographers from different cultures. I mean, they come, my students come for a big part from North America, but, you know, from Australia, from New Zealand, from South Africa, you know, they come from all over and all over Europe. And, um, it's really their approach, um, and their, their way they, they feel and the, the vibes they send that will determine the outcome. Actually, there is an interaction. So the one thing I like about the idea of street photography is, I, I mean, I grew up in a city, I grew up in New York, um, and, and being, the, the life of the city was part was just what you breathe. And I lived in Paris for about five years. And it, it has to be the best city in the world to walk around in, in part because you always see the sky. You know, there's only a couple parts of Paris where you have tall buildings, unlike New York, when it's it's you're just in these in these long sort of like, what would you call it? Like supermarket aisles mm -hmm. that just touch the sky. Um, is there a city or a location that you enjoy more for street photography? Oh, for me, it's Paris. That's the city that I never, never get tired of. Um, and it, I mean, every every day in Paris to me is a, is is a gift. It's a it's eye candy. <laughs> and um, I I also love the people, the elegance of Paris, the architecture. I mean, it's also just beautiful. But it's an it's not an easy city to shoot street photography. I mean, you really have to adapt to uh the culture. Uh it's um and I think in a uh, lot of the more interesting parts of the city is where the streets are narrower as well. Mm -hmm. So you don't have as much space around you and and the sidewalks are often very narrow. I mean, yeah. you can go on the Champs-Élysées where there's a million people, but they're all tourists and the odds yeah. of getting interesting photos, you want to be more like going along the Seine or in the, you yeah. know, the Latin Quarter, those areas. And a lot of them have narrow streets, so you don't get a lot of room for interaction, do you? Well, that's that's when, you know, you let the the light guide you. First of all, it's your mood and then the light. And um and you look for shafts of light and then you you wait for the right person to enter that shaft of light. Or or you'll if it's a rainy day, then you're just gonna it's 
it's amazing. Rainy days on the streets are some of my favorites. You know, then you, you just shift gear and you're going to look for reflections in puddles. I mean, there's, it's never boring. You can't, you can't be on the street and say, Oh, I'm bored. There is nothing there. It doesn't matter how big or small your city is that then you're doing something wrong. But that's actually why I wrote that book because some people need a little boost. And it's like, okay, Oh, I'm out and there's nothing there. Well, then yes, pick an assignment and then stick with that for the next hour. And then you'll, you'll get something and you'll learn something something. Even if you don't have a keeper, at least you'll learn something and that's going to boost your creativity and you're going to become a better photographer. So uh, there is always something and it's good to have themes too in the back of your mind if you need a little boost. I mean, I, I've worked on different books. One was Street Dogs, where I photographed dogs around the world and it ended up Turn, it turned into a, a fine art book uh, on uh, uh, dogs around the world. And so to have some themes in the back of your mind, you mentioned my my reader series. That's another series that I've worked on for years. And and uh, so you you collect images for a specific series. So it's also good to have that in the back of your mind. My favorite way to do it is just to let the street surprise me and just... Uh, to walk, to get lost on purpose, really. Yeah, but as you said, you've got to be receptive to mm -hmm. what's going to happen that's going to work. And that's what's interesting about the book. So someone who's a beginner... I'm just looking at random at the table of contents. There's one about train station platforms and hands and feet and umbrellas. And you can go out on a day and you can just pick a topic and say, instead of looking at everything and trying to find something, I'm going to focus on this idea, this type of person, maybe readers, maybe dogs or whatever. Yep. And it's kind of like doing scales in music, that the more you do that, the more familiar you become. And then the easier it is for you to see it again in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the yeah, the first 60 assignments or even more than that are more technical. So you work on a technique or you work on panning or you work on silhouettes or you work on sunburst or uh, things like that. And then once you do all these and you do them several times, then you can work on a theme and everything you've learned and you've practiced in the previous assignments. Then you you mentioned some themes where um, um like uh, trains working on in train stations and platforms, then everything you've learned in previous assignments will just come together and uh, and help you make actually a, a beautiful photograph when you're working on a specific theme. So, yeah, absolutely. As, as someone who mostly shoots black and white and who really appreciates black and white, um, I'm I'm always interested in is do we shoot black and white particularly street photography because it started out in black and white and there's that continuity? Uh no, it's actually it's actually easier to shoot black and white than color on the streets because you have definitely uh, fewer things to think of. Uh, yeah. My work is about well, uh, and I make the decision in in camera. I sh I shoot black and white or color. I don't I don't shoot. I don't make the decision after. And that's one thing that's very important for photographers to yeah. think of. Even if you shoot raw, you should always know if the photograph is a color or a black and white before you press the shutter. That's really part of the creative process. Um, so there, there there's there's a mood, but it's also a way to isolate a subject better because if you're shooting color, the color has to be part of the story. If the color become the distraction, then black and white makes more sense. So there are days like harsh light, 
black and white works a lot better, obviously. Um, but there are days I just posted today a, a photograph on Instagram that is all about color. If it wasn't for that color blue of the matching uh, woman's shirt with the shutters on the of the windows uh, next to her, there is no picture. That one is all about color. So sometimes it really it it is all about color, and a black and white photograph of that same subject would make absolutely no sense, and vice versa. So it is really something that is, um, it's not a decision you take lightly. It's definitely a decision you take at a creative level before you take the, the picture. And that's why I make that decision in camera and I shoot acros or classic chrome, depending on what my subject calls for. Okay, Valérie Jardin, I want to thank you very much because well, we welcome. don't know much about this subject. I don't live in a city, so I can't do street photography. <laughs> I live next to a farm. Um, I, I do urban street photography of, you know, um, f- farm machines and stuff like that. Um, I, I actually, I live near Stratford-upon-Avon and I've gone in there. It's a very touristy town and I've mm-hmm. gone in there to try and do street photography a couple of times. But it's just when there's too many tourists... It just doesn't. I mean, now, I know those if, are all if, excuses. If I practice a lot, I know. <laughs> yes, I know. but of yes. course, these days we're not going to be seeing a lot of tourists, so it'll be for you know That's in a right. couple of years in the future. So the book is Street Photography Assignment: Seventy Five Reasons to Hit the Streets and Learn by Rocky Nook. There'll be a link in the show notes and a promo code, so you can save money on the book in ebook format or in dead tree format. Vanity, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Also, want to mention before we head out. Uh, We will be giving away two copies of Valerie's book. All you have to do is join our mailing list. So go to our website, photoactive.co, sign up for our mailing list. We only use it for two reasons. We send out announcements when there's a new episode, and we use the list as the source material for giveaways like this. Okay, Jeff, what's your snapshot for this week? My snapshot today is a documentary about Pete Souza. Uh, called The Way I See It. And, uh, I, you know, I've mentioned Pete Souza before. Uh, I think he's a phenomenal photographer who shot photos of Obama all of his years in office. But he was also one of the White House photographers under Ronald Reagan. And what's interesting about this documentary, a lot of it is just about Pete Souza and his experience doing this. And he's definitely known for being Obama's photographer. But there's a lot in the documentary that covers his years working with Reagan and how that, you know, shaped how he approaches shooting the behind the scenes and getting the character of uh, the person who's in the Oval Office. Some of it is also just about uh, Pete Souza, you know, becoming politically active and becoming a voice against Trump. But to my surprise, that was actually a small part of the documentary. And and I like that they, they balanced it out. This wasn't intended to be a, oh, here's the guy who likes Obama but doesn't like Trump. It was very much, here's what it's like to be in this enormously unique job and the vision of trying to capture these events for now and for posterity. Kirk, what do you have this week? I have a new book. I just got it in the mail today. Um, It is by a Finnish photographer called Penti Samoati, and I discovered him recently. Um, He was born in 1950, so that makes him 70 years old. And his photography is quirky. 
Um, we were saying earlier, street photography needs a story, and this is a book of photographs of birds. It's published by a French publisher. It's called Des Oiseaux, which means birds, and I think there's an English edition, but it doesn't matter if you want to see the photos. There's only a few pages of text. Um, I, I showed you one of the photos earlier where there's a dog, um, and there's a he's sitting down, and there's a bird looking at him with his beak open like uh -huh. he's talking to him. There, there are a lot of interesting juxtapositions in these photos um, where birds are doing weird things and in some of the photos you don't even notice the bird um you have to since you know it's a book of bird photos um you look for the bird but some of the photos uh, apparently he was just shooting a landscape and there just happens to be a bird in a particular place maybe doing something especially interesting um Samuati's an interesting photographer uh all these photos are in black and white i don't think he shoots in color um he he does a couple of things that's different from most photographers of his type. He makes prints in open editions, which means that they're not limited and that they're very affordable. And he's really interested in people being able to afford um, his prints. And also, he makes prints in a lot of aspect ratios. Now, regular listeners know that I'm an aspect ratio fundamentalist, and it's three, two, or nothing. Um, he has some that are very, very wide and some that are very tall, and he really crops a lot around the subject. And that's not something I've really ever liked to do myself, um, but he does it in very interesting ways. And I'm just leaping through this and some are square and some are three, two. And then there's this really wide picture, almost like a panoramic iPhone photo. So link in the show notes. Um, there aren't too many books of his available. The ones that have been printed sell for hundreds of dollars used because I, I, there's that much demand. I don't know why these um, publishing companies don't reprint them. And this is the case for a lot of photo books that they don't get reprinted, maybe because it's so complicated to yeah. do a print run. Um, but this is, it's a charming book. It's funny. It's, it's attractive. So Penti Salamati, Birds or Des Oiseaux. Thanks for listening to Photoactive. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in this episode at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. We couldn't afford the M. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash photoactivecast. That's Photoactive Cast in one word. You can subscribe to Photoactive in your favorite podcast app or on Apple Podcasts. See the links on our website. And think about leaving us a rating or review in iTunes or in your podcast app.